I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour hurling ACA. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd still go. And so I opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm heartbroken. I'm so, Cheddar, we have to start um, with Leash because they're one of the two teams in the two games we're previewing this week. I presume you were in Croke Park watching this. You're a little bit critical of the Joe McDonough Cup. I understand the reasons you're critical because you want not just to have a competition for the lower tier teams, but also see how they're going to be developed and everything. And we're not going to get back into that again. But tell the truth now, huge Leash crowd in Croke Park, Leash winning in All-Ireland. You're all about the Joe McDonough Cup now. Um, well, I'm all about Leash winning. <laughs> um, you know, certainly can say that very clearly. Look, um, you know, a great day for Leash Hurling. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later on. Obviously, they're playing Dublin um, next weekend. Um, but look, great buzz and, um, you know, great, you know, when you consider Matthew Whelan has been playing Hurling with, with, with Leash for, for a number of years. He's still not an old man. He's still an awful lot to offer Leash Hurling. Um, but outside of Shinty, I don't think he played in Croke Park before. Um, you know, and that's it's, you know just playing there, and particularly playing in front of a crowd like that. I mean, there was a massive crowd, there was great booze in the place, um, and there was a great Leash crowd there. Woody, you're absolutely right, someone, a massive Leash crowd. Someone told me there was many from Leash as there was from Kilkenny. Um, well, I don't know that. that an exaggeration. But, but I, I, if, if I don't, I don't know the numbers, but they certainly made more noise. Um, and look, those things are important. You know, we 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 said this before. Um, you know, winning is important. Your flagship team and the buzz that it creates around the county. And uh, you know, I know on Monday they spent some time going around to schools. Um, young people remember that. It might be one visit. They remember it for the rest of their life. And it yeah. could be the very reason why a parent or a child takes up hurling in, in that hurling area of Leash, you know, next year. So they, they are really, really important. Uh, you know, I've never denied that. The other issues, look, they're well documented at this stage. Yeah. We, 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 we won't revisit that. 
But it, but a tier, but that tier competition to see the leash hurling team come back to those schools, and I saw some of the videos of the schools, and the cup comes down to the children, and they're screaming, and the children all run over to grab the cup. I think it was off Ross um, King. Hmm. That can't be underestimated. Like, and the, the Joe McDonough gives counties a chance to do that. Yes, no, it, it, it cannot be underestimated, Willie. And you know, you know, we need to understand that even in this day and age, that's more more important. Um, look. What's the first thing a child grabs? There was a time we'd be always wanting him to grab his hurley. I'd be always telling the young lads, you know, you need to bring the hurl to bed with you. I remember Jimmy Dyle actually used to say that though, and we were actually adults at the time. <laughs> um, so I, I sort of borrowed borrow the phrase of from Jimmy Lerner Mercy to him that, you know, you need to bring a hurley everywhere when I'm talking to kids. And, you know, when you get up in the morning, the first thing you should grab is your hurley. But actually, in reality, probably the first thing to grab is their phone. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so if you kind of... Um, um, phone shaped hurleys well look if you can have a vehicle that you can have Roddy King um, with the child the previous day you know holding the cup and that look imagine the, the power that that is to the child and yeah. to the family and just having something to, positive to talk about hurling it is incredibly powerful and you know I, I, I probably say that um, you know I'm always talking about development plans and all of that type of thing but I equally say at the same time that your flagship team needs to be performing because at the end of the day you know, that's what young people aspire to. You need to give them, you need to show what they need to aspire to. And you simply couldn't have a better candidate than the likes of Paddy Purcell. Um, I'd like to compliment him. I thought his words in, in Croke Park last um, last Sunday and the fact that he brought up... At the Kidman, yeah. He brought, brought up Pat Delaney, who's a Leeds hurling legend. Um, you know, it was, it was very, very powerful. But I'm just going back to that point. You couldn't have better people to sell a product than the likes of Roddy King, uh, Paddy Purcell, Matthew, all, every single one of those players they, those images are incredibly powerful and the fact that you're doing that on, in, in Croke Park I don't care what the, the, the competition is you know if you want to sell a product look companies pay millions in terms of the PR that they're trying to launch a product let, let, let that be whatever it is we have it here for free and you know we just need to maximise that and make use of it Yeah exactly and in fairness to Eddie they, they promoted the final well in the week leading up to it so the fantastic thing was that Leach performed under that pre- pressure and performed in Croke Park and all those things as well Eddie Brennan's been doing a bit of giving out since that and he's, he's absolutely right and Angus Clark has been saying the same thing from Westmead so Eddie said it's not giving out about it for the sake of it but it's a pity in a way we're not allowed a proper amount of time to get ready for that match you have Dublin now get three or four weeks of sitting resting while we have we have to do that in a week I'm not whinging about it just saying it will be a good thing going forward um, to give us a really good chance so Angus Clark says the Joe McDonough is your All-Ireland if you like because you're looking, for, you're looking towards next year and you're trying to get into the top tier. I think it's unfair that the other team, Cork, has three weeks to prepare compared to us. Realistically, if you'd won the, the Joe McDonough, you're going to be out celebrating and then have to turn around seven days later. It's actually six days later, or, or seven days later for Leash, and play a team from a league above you that's had three or four week break. It's unfair. So, like, I mean, this isn't Limerick coming to play a leash with a six day turnaround where you're saying well it's a lower tier just get on with it you're having to go up to beat a team that's ranked well ahead of you you're getting mm. way less time to recover you've won a, a national title that you've gone out for a few pints on a Sunday night and maybe watched a match and had a few kind of early Monday and gone home but anyways now you're back down to training Tuesday not feeling too great you can get no work done re- pretty much that week Cheddar and all the cards are stacked against them and it looks to me this this letting the Joe McDonough Cup winners back into the All-Earn Series is just a complete box-ticking exercise. They're never giving them a proper chance and it's all weighted against them losing and well done, they won't complain, they got back in. Yeah, look, um, 
I was just going to go over all ground there. It is tokenism, poorly thought out. Yeah. But look, it, there's no point in just um, uh, reacting to one thing, Uli. The, the whole, the whole uh, programme of games and Joe McDonough and the teams that are in it needs to be looked at as a special project and part of that is the actual games programme that's in them. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't just comment on that at all. It is We are just where we are at the minute. Um, if this was to continue, it would be dreadful. It is tokenism. Let's be honest with each other about what it is and call it what it is. Um, so, but, so let's just deal with the, with, with the issue as they are at the minute. First of all, um, commiserations to Westmead. Um, they have fought so hard over the last couple of years and put a lot of, of uh, committed a lot of big people to their team over the last couple of years and this year uh, made a breakthrough of sorts in terms of getting up to the league next year and got got themselves back into uh, Joe McDonough Cup final again just to open the door to get into the Leinster Championship and when they open the door in both competitions what do they see? In the league they're going to get dumped in with some serious teams here with a, a, you know that they're not going to get a chance to find their feet settle their team find new things find new players because you can't you've got to put out your strong team every day otherwise in that you will get a, as God rest George Lahey said to us one time you'll get scoured if you don't you know these you will get hammered here and you'll get one hammering in this league and then everybody's looking for management's heads and this player's head and then the whole the whole house falls down that's what that's what Westmead are going to are going to face in league and in championship, and they're facing that next in in the championship next Sunday against Cork of all the teams to to face. So the the just madness of that whole thing surely must be clear now to everybody. But I want to go back to Westmead. Um, they were a little bit unfortunate this year. They made a step forward in the league, and um, you know, having been in the final last year, would have expected to win it this year. We're hit a couple of hammer blows. Um, um, I think Owen Price had gone travelling. Travelling. Um, I think Niall O'Brien had gone travelling. Didn't play last weekend. Uh, Niall Mitchell, I think, has has been into the states and that as well. They were a bit unfortunate that they were hit with that. And you know, your second year round, you would say, look, let let's learn the lessons lessons from the previous year. Let's push ourselves over the line. And they probably missed a little bit in that. But I'm just going back to your point, Willie. So, you know, why can't you play six days after? Well, look, here are the things that really hit you. First of all, you're, you're after winning or losing, and the secondary one is obviously worse. We'll just take the winning one first. What do you do? Go home and not celebrate having you know won a Joe McDonough. You haven't you haven't won anything in years. First time for Leash hurling to get a bit of silverware, um, and you go you say look we're we're not going to do anything. We're going to go home and get ourselves ready. It, look that just wouldn't work. And you might say to the players look we'll go out for a drink in a fortnight's time. Sure, the whole buzz about the whole occasion has worn off at that stage, and you can't do that. Yeah. And I think Eddie and the management team have done this perfectly. Um, they have celebrated within reason. Um, and I just know that on the ground myself, they've done a little bit. They've done some some good promotional work last Monday in terms of uh, meeting schools and that. And they went around and had a little bit of time to themselves. And they went home early. And I understand the train on Tuesday night. I think that's the perfect way to do it. And I commend the management team and what they did there. But here's the real problem. There's obviously the physical recovery and look, the conditioning people will talk about that, that you need a certain number of days because playing in a final like that um, and the stress and, and all of that takes a little bit more out of you than a normal game. But the bigger issue is, I suppose, um, is just a mental recovery. You know, you're after, you'll just take Paddy Purcell for a minute, a great game last Sunday. He's, he's on the steps, having accepted a cup and having given a, a brilliant speech representing all these people. Um, and now he's expected to, in three or four days, for to come back down to earth again and get his mindset really, really clear on the job at hand next Sunday. That's difficult. Um, and it's also difficult, you know, 
Look, we know Dublin well at this stage. Your, your game plan against Westmead certainly wouldn't be the same you're going to use against Dublin. And, you know, you're going to probably have to have a much more precise passing game. You certainly can't put ball up in the air, competitive ball up in the air against Chris Crummy and, no. and Barrett and all of these. So you need time to rehearse that and even just take that for a minute. Your puck-out strategy. Um, Ender Rowland whom I'll say at the minute I'll be amazed if he doesn't get at, at the very least a nomination for an All-Star in my view he's the best goalkeeper probably out there and you know I've seen Owen Murphy Owen Murphy's been injured we haven't seen as much of him this year um, but you just take his puck out strategy it was very very good last Sunday um, I would probably say that Westmead slept a little bit through some of that Dublin won't you won't be able to put the ball up in the air so have you a chance to actually rehearse that you need you need three or four sessions to actually do that you cannot just do it in one session or do it inside in the hall and talk it through and walk it through and it's going to work for you because Dublin will read that um, and I think the other thing um, you may need to put out a different team you certainly will need to look at different man markers and look just for example who's going to man mark Conal Keeney um, you may need a different way to defend the ball coming into into Rushy um, so you need some time to do that and I mean, just the mere fact of the pressure to perform in a qualifier game six days after you being in, you know, in great form. These are all difficult things, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to flip that now on its head, Woolly, and I'm going to say, Leash hurling expects to be playing in Leinster. We've always said it. So let's not talk two different stories here. Let's and let's not. And I know Eddie's not doing this because I know he has visions for this team that goes past last Sunday. Um, but let's face this on. Um, we need to have the mindset here. Um, it's, it's like the old Cinzano um, ad, any time, any place, anywhere. We need to have that mindset because that's the mindset you're going to have to have next next year in Leinster. You're going to play four games out of in five weeks or six weeks. No point in, in at that stage, Jane, oh, and so on and so on. We need to be ready for this and we need to want this. And, um, you know, obviously next year that that's what you're going to have. That's where at least you're going to be. So there's no point in, in, in us... Um, you know, looking for favours or looking for crutches. Let's let these counties, including the Carlos, the Carlos are, are down this hole, but whoever's up there, throw away these crutches and absolutely go go after these teams. And that's what I would love to see Leash doing next Sunday. We might talk about it later on in terms of that particular game, Willie, yeah. in terms of what we might like them to do. But the mindset here needs to be, you know, any time, any place, anywhere, I'll take you on. Yeah, I'd say that's the mindset. We will talk about the game. That's the game we're going to focus on in part two. I definitely think that's the mindset that they're going to take Dublin on. They won't fear Dublin, but you can still point out the complete unfairness of absolutely the, agree the, with the that turnaround, yes. you know, which, yes, absolutely which, agree. which I think but, is but, fair. But, but I think I just want to comment on that uh, Willie as well like, look we can't always be just commenting on this this is and if we were to fix this it'd be only fixing part of the problem you know take three steps back here fix the whole issue here around these teams and Joe McDonough and the competitions that they play in and so on so on there's a huge amount of work that needs to be done in that don't just put a sticky platter solution on this in terms of giving them another fortnight or something like that because look that's just that's just a, a sort of a, a sticky plaster to cover a small wound at the minute Right okay Sean Finn was interviewed after the Munster final and he said there was a lot of talk about Tip in the last couple of weeks and that was probably fuel to add to the fire coming into this game there was talk that they were a new team and we probably didn't get the respect that we deserved. I thought that was an interesting one from him. It's kind of like a siege mentality um, with Limerick and we see siege mentalities 
an awful lot like I mean Tony Kelly said in the Sunday game with Davy Fitz that's his complete yeah. MO mm. and he said that it was us against the world with Davy and Clare and Tony's kind of saying it's smiling as in mm. like almost like we know the Clare players bought into that and Wexford players are bought into it mm. what do you make and I don't know if John, John Kiley was saying this to Sean Finn or this is just what Sean Finn personally thought himself you know I'd say Canark is a little bit more tactical than relying on emotion and siege mentalities and stuff but at the same time they seem to work. They've worked in football teams before, yeah. Cheddar. Like, I think yeah. the Dublin senior team use us against the world an awful lot. Like, they all hate us. Let's go out there and shut them up. The cultures or whatever to do. I've no mm. doubt that the criticism they receive, they use it in their advantage. What do you make of them? Well, first of all, I'd be gobsmacked if John Kiley uses this as the sole uh, motivational tool uh, with the Limerick team. Yeah, we don't um, even know if he's used it at all. We no, just know Sean Finn uh, no, has used no, it. You, I think you're probably right. You know, what players uh, say, generally speaking, reflect the culture that's coming out of the dressing room. Um, I don't think it can be the only thing because, again, just look at the other side of this. Let's say that that's the... Let's say that that's Cork playing Westmead and no disrespect to Westmead here. And the whole uh, motivational ethos in the dressing room is, is, you know, the world are trying to push it into a corner here and we need to fight back. But, you know, do players really believe that in terms of we're playing Westmead? And you need to be very, very careful to be able to match and mix the emotional part of it with the instructions. And, uh, you know, I, there's been times in the past when I've got that wrong and and, um, and I put my hand up on that. I know we were playing awfully in the championship with Tullamore one time and, and at the half time I misjudged it and uh, probably focused a little bit too much on the emotional part of it rather than good instructions about your game plan about how you need to approach the second half and it's sometimes difficult to get that you know you're just taking uh, I suppose a feeling that you have that you're seeing around the dressing room in terms of driving the team on emotionally or giving good instructions I'd always prefer the instructions part but there's times you you don't even have to do that Um, so I'll go back to that point Willie Um, look it cannot be just us against the world I think it's just a wider um, aspect of how you would uh, uh, appeal to the emotions of a team and you do need angry young men in the dressing room of course you do. Um, and how you, you know, tug at the heartstrings and those type of things, um, you know, you, of course you need to do that. Everybody does that. But it's the matching of that and it's doing it at the right time and it's doing it intelligently because you've got 20 or 30 very intelligent men in front of you who know exactly what's going on here. Uh, but if you can if you can get all of that right, the instructions, um, the right instructions about the game plan, the opposition and so on and so on, with the right amount of um, you know emotional motivation at the right time, look, that's the ideal state to be in, but it's difficult to achieve it. So I presume Davy twists the criticism of the sweeper system to the criticism of Wexford and he uses that, he twists that maybe around to let the Wexford players say that let's prove them wrong or this is is that kind of a, like a siege mentality that Davy uh, might kind of try um, to cultivate. Look, uh, you, have, you have to give Davy massive credit. He simply does not get enough credit for this particular aspect, and it's not just the one aspect. And just to, let's just take uh, let's just look at Davy and Wexford and Kilkenny last Sunday as an example, because here's what I saw: I saw no Wexford player um, over over emotionally charged. So. There obviously wasn't a song sang about Wexford's history in the dressing room going out before the match because I understand that used to be often to be the business years ago. Um, clearly, there was clear instructions on the game plan. But what I think he did do was he looked at Kilkenny and he said, this is really like the like getting into a fight and pick the biggest dog in the fight and bury him first and the rest of them run away. There was nearly a little bit of this, I thought, last Sunday. Davy decided to go along 
in the air and particularly from puck outs down on top of a Kilkenny uh, back line that actually had an extra defender and he actually he may not have got a huge amount of purchase in terms of possession out of it but he did break Kilkenny at what they thought they were strong at so this is what I saw in terms of the emotional aspect of this Davy said let's take these on what are the strongest at well they're, they're, they pride themselves in winning primary possession out of the air ok let's bury them in that and I think he did with the exception maybe a few all or full back all over the rest of the rest of the area they went for it and they were brave and they, they won the majority win them, didn't win them all but they broke Kilkenny at what they were yeah. good at and I think that may very well be just an aspect of you know us versus the world you know there's a whole pile of aspects about that but I don't think just to get back on the point Willie I don't think it's just as simple as everybody's as against, as against, is against us um, you know we've got to look after ourselves here There's it's much more sophisticated than that but at the end of the day it's broadly the same message you're given you know you need to be angry if you want to win things you want to get on in life you need to be angry you need to be ambitious there's no point in, in, in apologising about it Yeah so there's definitely room for the traditional uh, banging on tables speeches at, depending I on I broke a few tables in my time <laughs> Willie, to tell you the truth but, but I, I, I'd hate to think that that's what it was all about yeah. um, there, you, there is a time to work see I, the way I always look at it I remember in Croke Park in 2007 Leinster final Liam Kearns broke or Sean Dempsey broke a table and he had us all around in a big circle, right? And he was coming around and he was thumping lads because he would have known the, o- the O3 miners, Brendan Quigley and all these. And his thing with them was that he'd give them a few digs in the huddle. So he mm. was giving Brendan Quigley a punch and Brendan Quigley was shouting back at him and it was mad stuff going on in there. And I, I was trying to get into it, but I was still watching him saying, is he actually going to hit me here? Or what? <laughs> he didn't end, end up hitting me at the time, but he broke a table then. Now, while I, di- I didn't really need that, it was a Leinster final, but I remember being very fired up and I remember the first 20 minutes we were destroying Dublin. You know yeah. what I mean? So maybe there is a value to it depending on, the, the, on the, the time. There is, Willie, but there's a little bit of a danger in that because you were emotionally charged going out on, on the field. How long are you going to be able to sustain that? You know, I'd say five or ten minutes at best. Um, it's much better to give clear instructions about your job and about what you're supposed to do and how that fits into the into the overall team. Yeah. And you might need to tweak or change that at half time. You need to explain that very well to players. But it's how you stitch that emotional charging into the team while doing that is the real goal that you're looking for here. Yeah. And look, as I said to you, there are times when the, the team just is not concentrating and hasn't w- woken up. And look, you need to go for blood and you might take a few heads off of the shoulders in doing that or break a couple of tables or whatever you're into just to get the team fully focused and zoned in on what you're doing. But I would, I would say um, that would be very, very seldom you would have to do that because if you didn't you'd have to question how you're prepare, preparing the team mentally for the week beforehand because if they come into a game like that um, half snoozing through a game well look you've really lost it the previous week you haven't just lost it a minute before the game Yeah exactly uh, t- how do you think Tip are going to re- regroup um, Cheddar so they're all Ireland favourites um, a week ago and in the last 12 years nine of the provincial finalists have won their subsequent quarterfinals. So, like, history is on their side. The only three occasions that the Munster Championship losers were beaten was Clare, Waterford, Clare in 2017, Waterford in 2012, and Clare in 2008. And it actually came at the hands of other Munster opposition. So, like, I mean, they'll face Leisure or Dublin in the quarterfinal. So, like, I think their egos are definitely bruised, you know, and mm. maybe Tip weren't building themselves up, but they were being built up. Yeah, now there seemed to be, um, I suppose, we, we, look, we felt this on last week ourselves um, below in Thurlis. There just seemed to be 
you know, a, a, an awful lot of energy and confidence about Tipperary. Um, you know, and I mean, in fairness, that was probably deserved. They had played, played really well in four matches, topped their group uh, with an experienced team, a very experienced management team, very uh, tuned in management team. So it was probably d- deserved uh, to, to an extent. And I just thought that um, that an experienced team like that would handle it. And Willie, I still think that they have handled it. I don't think it was um, overconfidence or that that beat them. Um, and I don't think Liam would be looking like that. Now, clearly Liam and Eamon and everybody else and Tommy um, will be looking at what are the key issues here that gave us that performance and how were we beaten here? Because we're likely to meet Limerick again along the way here. And I, I think it was a great benefit to tip. Um, I, I do think and I've thought for a while that the, I suppose, the cohesion and the power in their back line, and particularly their full back line, was always going to be a risk to them, particularly when teams set up in a certain way against them. And this is what has happened a number of times over the last four or five years. Um, and I think there's learnings there for them. Um, who am I or, or anybody else to tell Liam or Tommy um, or any of the lads, um, you know, in terms of what they need to do here? They're, they're certainly way more qualified than any of us. Um, but I do think they've got things to fix there because when you break like that, and particularly um, you know, when you have a, such a central sh- a position and spine broken, um, then you know you're in a bit of trouble at that stage. Everybody knows the key positions here in hurling that you needed to defend really well. Um, but I think they can turn it around, uh, Woolly, very, very easy by by a couple of things. Um, you know, I think. I think there's a couple of playing things um, that would work better for them, um, and you know, bear in mind they went they went with a puck out strategy that didn't yield them probably enough on the day. Yeah, uh, a weird puck out strategy, really. You would have to say. I yeah, know it's no, not I, hindsight, but I I'm not a hurling expert, but I would have told you going along with the puck outs with their with Tipperary's forward line, which are more scoring forwards against Limerick's back back line, yeah. wouldn't be the smartest thing to do. That's true, Willie. Except. Um, do you have the players up the field or back the field to play the other way? And that, that that's what I'm referring to. I think Tipperary needs to look at um, no, I said it last uh, last Thursday night, Willie. You know, Barrett was a massive loss for this to be able to take that ball, uh, work it to create a two and a one coming coming through your full back line or half back line, free somebody out to the middle of the field. And bear in mind, Brendan Maher was missing off the half back line to yeah. do that. Little things like that can hurt you in hurling. And I've said this before that when the flow goes against you in hurling, you know the teams are so good now that they can put scores on the board very quickly and go away from you very quickly. And you could get a ten point beating in hurling over maybe one or two. Little, you know, key things within your game. I do think Tipperary need to look at that um, because you're right. It didn't look t- sensible thing to do, considering that Limerick pulled back two really tall wing forwards as defensive wing forwards and have a fair half back line to mop up anyway, things anyway. Yeah. And the, you know, the, the central part of the way Limerick plays to win it on the on the platform, work it through the platform, and ping an accurate pass from there. Well, if you break the platform, you, you've you've broken Limerick. And I was just surprised that Tip did play with th- that way. Um, uh, but as I say, easier to say that. Uh, so what's my options here? You know, can I knock it out to a corner back that's very, very comfortable? Is my goalkeeper very comfortable? We saw that with Galway last year and we commented on that with James last year in Galway, Willie. Everybody needs to rehearse this t- that it comes second nature to them. You know, is this going to work for you? If it isn't, well, look, you probably need to go with tried and trusted. Probably what I was surprised with is that they stayed with it. And it just tells you, I suppose, look, we didn't need this show to tell you the valuable, uh, how valuable Bonner Marr was yeah. in this whole thing. Yeah. Now, the, the, but the thing is, Bonner's not going to, it's not like Bonner is Johnny Glynn. Like he's, yeah. Bonner's re, a really good player, but it's not like he dominates in the air. Like Bonner was their wing forward 
throughout the years when people were saying Tip didn't have enough ball winners in their half forward line you know wasn't he like he is good at putting up the hurl but it's not like he's going to be a salu- uh, the out and out solution no, to it and he's, he's not an air game player no. he's one of the best players I know that can actually uh, direct the ball onto the floor wherever yeah. he wants to do it and and he does he does actually you know he's not a huge tall man like Johnny Lynn but he does catch a fair percentage of primary possession but his ability to be able to knock the ball and to run and players coming through and look if that's uh, Michael Breen or Noel McGrath well then that's danger for you um, so I think he was missed in that but even having said that you know I do agree with you um, you know just doing the same thing and expecting to have something different probably I hate them bloody cliches but it probably didn't make sense and I was surprised yeah. that Tip didn't have plan two because look everybody knows what Limerick do and on, their puck, on, on your puck out and everybody really knows what's central to Limerick is getting that primary position to a player in open territory in front of the half back line that he can put ball to space inside and if you break the first part of that well they can run around all the like inside because the ball ain't going to come into them Yeah I think the 31 long puck outs Tip did and only won six Was J- it 31 was 31 it? Yeah. I think I read that stat there mm. somewhere Jason Ford was allowed into the Gaelic grounds to practice freeze isn't that unusual for a home game like you'd have to say fair play to Limerick you'd imagine he got permission to go in and do it but I know if Leash are playing Dublin and who Ryan wants to come in or, or Tracy wants to come in and practice in a Moor Park and he rings up the Leash County Board well I know what I'd be telling him I'd be saying sorry the pitch is under uh it's, it's under it's water. It's, it's been watered. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, what would you think of that? Like, oh, I mean, no, I definitely let him in, Molly. Would you? Yeah. Because there does not have to be this kind of you know advantage of playing at home that we're not going to you know th- this is our ground and you're not going to start practicing on it. This is our territory, and that's you can why come, that's why come, I let him in, Molly. Right, just to play the the silly bag. I'd move the goalpost in on the Friday night. <laughs> um, I know. Back back to the seriousness of that, Willie. Um, look, this relates back to the earlier point about the siege men- mentality, and you know, generally speaking, a siege mentality is built over um, a grievance or a, either a genuine grievance or a perceived grievance. Um, so just think about that for a minute. Um, look, Tipperary might actually look to go in there with with with, with no no you know with that Inten- they didn't, no intent of going there. Sorry, I couldn't think of the word. Well, no intention of going in there for the simple reason to be refused. And just think of the grievance and that you know. So so that's the siege mentality you're looking for. I probably would let him in, Willie, uh, and I probably would. Do, I, I genuinely would probably do some things to change around. Um, Look, he's looking for his own markers as a free taker. It's not necessarily the post he might be aiming for. He might be looking at different markers around the place. He's certainly setting his own markers about his range and the wind and all of those things. Look, there, there is value in the free taker going in there. Uh, there's no doubt about that. So you uh, could mark in the two sidelines and let him think that the pitch is narrower than it was or whatever. You could do. You could change the paint on the goalpost. You could do a whole pile of things if you really wanted to. I'm, I'm obviously, I'm, 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 some of this is tongue in cheek, obviously, <laughs> Willie. Uh, but maybe some of it isn't. <laughs> well I would be more towards the latter cheddar um, Dermot O'Keefe uh, gave some credit to Liam Dunn which I thought was a nice touch um, in an interview after the game on Sunday and I always like this because like Liam Dunn had them for five years he said in fairness to Liam because I was saying on Monday no matter wh- uh, no, they can't get away from the fact that Davy is such a huge character in the GEA and we had it with Mikko that whenever mm. you win the actual players and from Beyond County don't get the cr- enough credit because it's all about this huge magical manager that has done everything for you. But he had he had the the thoughtfulness to think of Liam Dunn and say, in fairness to Liam, he brought us a hell of a long way in the five years we had him. He completely changed the culture that was in the Wexford dressing room. Davy has obviously brought that on to another step again. But between the two lads, they've done Trojan work. I'm delighted for them as well. Like I mean, I thought that was a, a nice touch from Dermot O'Keefe. 
Yes, um, I'm actually delighted that Dee did say that. Um, I know Liam Dunn and I know the passion he brings to it and I know his passion as a Wexford person. Um, and um, I was obviously a manager on the opposite, opposite sideline to Liam for a couple of those years. Um, and I, I think he, I absolutely agree with Dermot on this. I think he certainly raised the standard in Wexford and the, the, you know, the level of discipline uh, and that to be a Wexford hurler change under Liam. Um, I think he was unfortunate that he probably just didn't get the drive on of success maybe in his third or fourth year. Um, and look, Davy was very lucky this year. Wexford had been on an upward curve um, this year under Davy for the last three years. But sometimes in their third or your fourth year, um, you know, unless you have, unless you seek out the improvements and the team agrees with you on this, that there are improvements here that we can gain next year and that we go after them and seek them out and fight them out and go after them and make them, then the team is on an upward curve. Um, I think you know Wexford might be lucky this year, and Davy might be lucky that uh, you know they continued on that upper curve. I think Liam definitely improved Wexford massively, um, and I think what Dermot has actually put his finger on is exactly what he did. He. I just don't like the word professionalism but I just can't think of a better word for a minute he brought in high standards I, I prefer to use those yeah. he brought in high standards to the team he brought in um, I suppose what it means to play for Wexford and you know bear in mind Liam Dunn is a Wexford legend in, in hurling this wasn't anybody coming in off the street this was somebody who had to work really hard on his own game bear in mind he played six when there were some big big lads going in on top of him and he handled them all he found some way to deal with them um, that the came into, well, he was a, he was a tough hurler there's no doubt about that um, but came into a Wexford dressing room and certainly raised standards and raised the team and I'm just delighted that Dermot uh, referenced that and that he had um, just the courtesy and the thoughtfulness to think about that for Liam yeah no exactly last one here Burl, the second last one um, Cheddar is uh, John Horan was interviewed this week and he is talking about well it's not it's been decided by Central Council that the club All-Ireland Finals are moving away from St. Patrick's Day and they're going to be on January the 19th so the semi-finals are going to be January, on January the 5th this year I think by 2020 they're looking to wrap them up within the calendar year they're obviously mm. trying to avoid this huge 10-12 week break which is horrific on players um, it's horrific on on the county team trying to play league the following year and all round it's just horrific a lot of people will be disappointed to see them move out of St. Patrick's Day but I think the pros of how it affects teams and players outweighs how it affects supporters how would you think? Um, yes I agree with all of that Willie um, look just I just love maybe to see the uh, calendar year finishing with the club final maybe on the you know we, we need to set dates for this maybe put yeah. it on the first Sunday in December yeah. um, so the club final always takes place on that date the provincial club finals always take place on the first Sunday I'm just picking dates here now yeah. just to illustrate my point um, and the All-Ireland takes place on the first Sunday so as you know years ago you always said oh Hurling final first Sunday in the, in the December you didn't even know what date it was on but you knew what day it was on um, so I think that would be great and I, and I think I'd like to compliment John on that I'd have great confidence in him in his ability to be able to move this along because look it, it, it does impact on, impact on a lot of things and we're back into the bloody politics again you know some counties don't play after championship until December or something like that and I understand that that's the reason why it hasn't been brought back but I think over a period over a year or two uh, Woolley I think they might get it right and I'd love to see the calendar being clearly set out even just in terms of quadrants or months or whatever way you want to look at it uh, where the competitions you know when the competition starts and it ends and I would would probably suggest that maybe the Paddy's weekend is a very good weekend now for the Fitzgibbon Cup final for instance to be played because that yeah. needs to find its proper home as well and not impact on league and all of that it, may, it mightn't work because it might clash with league or something like that one final thing I would say on it, in looking at all of these things Wooly 
there's no point in just having the calendar and the games program fitting in fitting in, in the one year. That's not the problem. The problem here is do club players get a meaningful uh, schedule of club games really good club games right throughout the year and that doesn't mean that it needs to take place every Sunday but you cannot have a two or three month break in the middle of the summer where they have nothing going on you're just depending on league or something like that that needs to be looked at and look I, I was a former manager and I would I would probably fight tooth and nail for the opposite of what I'm going to say now but in the interests of the GA club player and, and county player we've got to look at this where counties um, where county players go back into their clubs even if I just said this before even if it's for half the week where they train twice with the club and twice with the county we're going to have to bite that bullet sometime to make this work whereby there's a really good club championship in every county where players have a meaningful programme of games to play not just playing two at the start of the year and playing another two or three at the end of the year like that's not that's not realistic that's not going to encourage players to really train hard and to improve themselves and that you could integrate the county championships into that as well league and Leinster and our league and provinces and so on so on Yeah he has a committee actually set up that's doing this as mm. we speak so it has I, I'm looking forward to that William I, I do think um, that I think that John you know understands how this works and you know, I think he'll 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 push to get this right. It might take him a year or two to get there, but I'd be confident that it will be got there. Yeah, he's been progressive so far, and you'd have to say on this committee, there's a representation from the C- Club Players yes. Association, the, the GPA, and also the third level uh, yes. colleges. So, like, yeah. I mean, that if, makes ever, sense. if everyone comes out of that meeting and they're all happy, well, then I'm yeah. happy. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I that's basically that. nothing can come out of that. Come here before we go. Start talking about Leash Dublin. You have a charity match um, this weekend. Oh yes, um, thanks, Wooly, for giving me the opportunity there. Yeah, look, there's a charity hurling and camogie game in Camrys GA Club next Saturday evening at 5pm um, it's an aid of the leash branch of uh, Down Syndrome um, you might just click on their website you'll see that you're building a field of dreams outside Abbey Leaks um, I think it's, it's, it's they're looking at a sort of a working and living environment for residents there it's a fantastic initiative um, I'd really urge everybody just to click on the website and to look at it um, it's a charity game. Obviously, it's a fundraising event. Lots of county players are turning up and giving their free time uh, to this. Um, so I'm just going to say that again. Look, it's definitely worth supporting. It's in Cameron's GA Club. I'll even call out the air code to you if you want the directions. R32. It's hard to find a, up there in the mountains. R32AH97. <laughs> and I'd just say be there and support a really, really brilliant initiative. It's a brilliant initiative. And some of the big names you have there, is this going to be a one team against the rest of Ireland or a well, mix of different players? Well, we're looking at, um, I suppose, this is Harlem. Globetrotter stuff at the minute um, and obviously you have to there's you know play, players have lots of things going on in their lives and that you have to really wait until see but at the minute and you know bearing in mind last weekend um, we're looking at Leash All-Stars versus the rest of the world All-Stars um, so good. lots of county lots of lots of county players are turning up and and um, I'm very thankful for them for giving that support Yeah disappointed I didn't get a shout out for this uh, Cheddar this small ball game well, I could have come in corner back for you there We're just trying to find a role for you Woolly to tell <laughs> the truth so, so don't give up on that yet <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll come back and we'll look at the Dublin Leash match. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. A few weeks later, they played Kilkenny below Nolan Park. The same year. And oh, they were being hockey. But the camera went in and oh, there was a fellow warming up. And Jesus, you should see him. <laughs> yeah, the fuck. He was massive. Legs, ass, belt. But I burst out laughing watching him. <laughs> There he was, the epitome of what I said. I told you, homeboy, you can't touch this. 
Yeah, that's how we living and you know. Can't touch this. Look at my eyes, man. Okay, so the big thing of this game, uh, Leash against Dublin in Amore Park on Sunday, Cheddar, and it's probably a really big thing for a Joe McDonough Cup um, team, is that Leash won't fear playing Dublin. They've played them twice. Traditionally, they just didn't fear them because Dublin, for a lot of years, were at Leash's level and Leash were well able to beat them. Mm. And they've kind of set, gone ahead of Leash now. But even in the two games this year, the Dublin beat Leash in the Walsh Cup, 118 to 116, just by two points. They beat Leash by 13 points to 11 in terrible conditions in Parnell Park in the league. And I know that's only Walsh Cup and league, but it's just a, an idea of how Leash, you know, are able to put it up to Dublin. That's true. And look, that's interesting, Woody, because, you know, obviously, you know, we're we're up to date here. It's two games this year. And it's two games really at the start of Matty's um, campaign, yeah. you know, where players will be trying to impress. And, and there were good Dublin teams. I looked were, down through they them. Were, yeah. They were almost identical to the Dublin team at the minute. I think they had a couple of injuries back then and uh, not too far off a Leash team either. And in one of those games, I think Leash played with 14 players for most Chad of the second Dwyer half. was sent off Charlie in the league. Was sent yeah. off in the league is right. Um, you know, so they, look, that's good. And I probably, Woolly, go back, I'm just thinking here, um, the last time we played Dublin in broadly similar circumstances was in the qualifiers in 2015 and it's a game I greatly regret in my time with Leash um, I think the score was 417 to 19 pints but um, Dublin scored two goals I think the first five minutes um, it was a great great game of hurling first of all and Leash played some great hurling in that game um, I think Mark Shooters. I think he scored a two of them actually I'm surprised actually now that, that now that I mention him that he's not back in with the current Dublin team because um, he, he had a fantastic air game going if you remember his game against Kilkenny and Portlaoise actually now that I say it he seems to love Portlaoise but anyway that day he scored two goals in the first five minutes and Leeds came back and levelled and played some great hurling and just before half time uh, Dublin scored another goal which accredited it was Conal Keeney that scored it um, and there was nothing in it uh, right to the end and I think Dotsy um, Dotsy scored a goal maybe in the last minute of the game um, and that you know so it would have been 317 to 9 points there was nothing in that game and Leash hurled really really well and the, the you know the concession of soft goals kills and it's a game that I really regret being involved with Leash because you know it, it, little games like that uh, would be in, you know against a serious team would be a great launch pant for, for those type of counties going forward um, so I, I think and you know what's really interesting about that game actually there's just something springing to mind Willie is Niall Corcoran was corner back on that team for Dublin. He's coaching Leash at the minute. And Tommy Fitzgerald was corner forward for Leash and he's coaching Leash at the minute as well. Um, so look, some good came out of that game <laughs> is all I'll say. I'm not actually sure if the two boys played on one another that, that, that day, even though I know Niall's doing a fantastic job at Leash at the minute. I, I, I do need to comment on that. Their style of hurling, their use of the ball, their passing of the ball and that. Um, and it's intelligent use of the ball. Love love what they're doing with it. I think all these people are very, very happy with the way the team is playing. But go back to your point, Willie. Um, Yes, so there are sort of positive things, um, but if if I was to look at, um, you know, some things between the the teams, let's just disregard now what we spoke about earlier on in terms of the turnaround in six days and the mindset and all of that. Let's just disregard that for a minute and let's just take it that this is, uh, you know, a full face on game between the two two, two teams. Um, Look, Dublin have had a really good year. Um, They're a big, powerful team. They've got a great plot platform at half back. I always think when you go back and look at any team that won anything, and particularly in hurling, um, some people will say your half forward line is most important. But I think for a team that plays that use the ball well, your half back line is crucial to you, and they've got a great half back line. They've got probably the best full back line in Owen O'Donnell at the minute. He might be injured, um, but he's definitely the best full back I've seen. And I'd probably put second to that, might be Tommy Dial from Westmead last Sunday. Um, they have a very strong panel. 
and they've got a very very good management team and you know Matty doesn't suffer fools for too long and uh, you know they're they're going to be a driven team so the point I want to make is I suppose they have a really good chance here Woolly of going a distance here in this championship um, you know so they'll fancy themselves to beat Leash and look let's you know let's talk honestly here for a minute um, I'll back Leash wherever they go and my heart will always be, 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 be behind them um, but realistically uh, Dublin have come have come third in a championship that knocked out Galway and they knocked them out um, and you know they've, they've, they've a decent enough scoring rate I think they've 96 points done in, 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 and conceded 81 um, in, the, in, in that championship and came in third and on and, and four teams that had five points um, and if they were to beat Leeds to play Tipperary next who would have beat in actually the league yeah. Um, so they'll have no fear about Tipperary wherever that game is played. So they must surely believe that they've got a great pathway here for 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 for, for an All Ireland. So they're their strong points, but I do think they need a more forceful. If I was being critical of Dublin, uh, I do think they need a more forceful midfield. Although they bypass their midfield a lot by what they do on their half back line, I think the biggest issue in Dublin, and I don't want to just keep beating this, it's their. If they just had even uh, you know a serious scoring forward that can take scores and have chances or more particularly take scores in a very very small piece of space and I'm just talking about the likes of the Pat Horgan John McGrath that type of player um, they have, most of the forwards like to work the ball if you look at Eamon Dillon and what he does he likes to work the ball move the ball move with the ball before he gets the shot away um, so they have to start to work a good little bit to create the score. Um, that's fine when your system is working and, uh, you know, you probably have control of the game. But when it's very, very tight and the margins are very, very tight and you're dependent on, you know, real e- economic forwards to, to eke out scores out of nothing, they probably need that. Now, I do think Oshin O'Rourke, and I, I know Oshin O'Rourke and Keane Boland, those two in particular, from their minor days and working their way through under 21 and that, I think they may become that. And they may very well be that now. We may see that. And unfortunately, we might see it on Sunday. But I do think that Dublin, to really go to the top, probably need that. Um, so I just go back to the to, to Leash. Um, strangely enough, I think Leash have better scoring forwards than Dublin have, Woolly. Um, and, you know... Definitely the best goalkeeper in hurling at the minute, as I've said earlier on. Um, I, I, you know, I'd be surprised if Ender Rowland doesn't get a nomination for an All Star. Um, and there's a real positive positivity, obviously, in the Leeds dressing room after last Sunday. Um, and you know they've got a strong midfield. Paddy Purcell will give you a, a pull in the middle of the field, even though you might like to see a little bit more out of the, out of the possession. But my chief concern, obviously, next Sunday with Leeds would be just winning up primary possession on the half forward line. They've got very very good ball players in Picky and Mark Cavanagh. Mark scored four or five points from play last Sunday <coughs> that would grace any team. Um, and Aaron Dunphy on the other side probably scored maybe the best goal that's going to be scored in Croke Park this year. Oh, he did. But the winning up primary possession on that Dublin half back line. So. It goes so the puckouts can't go to the leash half forward line. So where well, do they go? They cannot go high anyway, will do, do they bring Paddy Purcell out right out to the wing and send them to him? He will have a, a physical physical uh, high and height advantage over whoever he's marking in his Dublin midfield. Do you expose <coughs> him? Do you isolate him? And do you put puckouts on top of Paddy Purcell? Because I can't see them going to the half forward line. And it might be a bit risky to be going to the half back line. Well, I, I think... Um I wouldn't put any high puckouts, Willie, to be honest with you. I just think the risk is too big there. Um, and this goes back to the six-day turnaround. Can you create space around players for players to run into that space to take ball off the grass? Certainly, you need to be looking at a lot of that. Can you see 
movement in your players can you see bunch and break off 11 to create space at 10 and 12 to put ball there to run on to can you work the ball through the lines in other words free up your 7 to be able to carry the ball through the line I think it's all that type of intelligent plans and puck outs um, look it just wouldn't make sense to be knocking high ball down on, on Shane Barrett Sean Moran or Chris Crummy. it just wouldn't make sense uh, to do that um, so so I, I think that use of, of uh, possession and use of the ball equally from puck outs would be really really important here and I suppose what are we trying to say here don't create contested play, plays particularly in the air if you can help it so when you have the ball do not create a contested ball with your distribution I think if they do that and and um, and obviously in the winning of the possession that they're very very aggressive and very very aggressive in the tackle the turnover ball and look at the end of the day, you've got to believe you're going to beat him as well. Um, you know, I think I think that the game could be very, very close. But I, I'd be a little bit concerned on the other side as well. Um, look, power and physicality of Dublin and hurling. It, look, look what it did for Wexford last Sunday. They had three or four players, six foot five. They absolutely breasted everything that was in front of them and hurled ball after ball up the field. Dublin have the ability to do that. Um, I'd probably be a little bit concerned about our back line. It nearly goes back to 2015 we conceded a couple of goals and they absolutely you know those couple of things sort of choked us I'd be a little bit concerned that we would, con- we would concede goals earlier on and just you're out of the game too quickly um, so I think Eddie and Tommy and Fran and, and Niall you know have a little bit of work here in terms of how to, p- to prepare and how they set up and the players that they pick here um, and I think you know I've, I've absolute confidence that they'll get that right and if they do I think we've got real scoring power up front this team can shoot pints from midfield in they don't need to get into the D to shoot pints they've yeah. got that quality to do it and I think if they do it could be very very interesting What do you make of Cha in at full forward is that working or is he better he seems to have more freedom out in the wing although the, the lads on the wing are obviously playing well um, Look Charlie is the heartbeat of Leash Hurling has been since he was 14 um, that's a strange thing for me to say but that's the truth um, I remember Charlie playing in a maybe in an under twelve county final. This is how far back I can remember this player. Um, actually, Woolly, our club was playing them, and we put two players on him. We actually completely left one player free and put two on Char, just to <laughs> just to stop him hurling. And that'll just tell you um, about what he brings to it. His level of competitiveness, um, his aggression to win ball, and all of those is like look, he'll match anybody. You're talking about Bonner here when you're talking about this player. His bravery, his um, worth to the team, his tackling probably goes over the top a little bit at times. Um, um, you know, so th- that's why. So, so you have to ask, the, maybe ask the point that look, if we don't have that aggression on our half back line to win possession or to win breaking ball possession and to be able to feed players, um, you know, is he better out there than inside? Now, obviously, um, the lads wanted to, to take on Tommy Dial um, last uh, last Sunday, and you know, to an extent, it worked. Um, but his probably best place is out there where he's a little bit of room to really go at the opposition and he will go at you there's, there is no reverse gear in Charlie Dwyer if the ball is there that's tough if you're in his way that's tough too he will go for it and look every team needs that type of player um, and probably coming from a little bit deeper out gives him another opportunity to do that but he's also a very accurate player um, you know and going back to that year maybe in 2014 or 15 against Offaly he shot five pints from play 
Yeah, no, he has that in his locker as well. So, so look, he's a very important player to the team and is very, very fit at the minute. Um, and, um, you know, I think how they use him on Sunday and how Eddie uses him on Sunday will be important. Yeah, and Eddie has been flexible, I suppose, in how he's been using all of them. Yes, he has. You're yes. not really sure. Dublin won't be sure what we'll issue on line out, which That's is important. Correct. Mark Haven, I imagine, will get some joy as that roving uh, number 11 probably off Sean Moran who will drop off him so he'll well, how do you see the leash match matchups Matthew Whelan looks like the right one that's going to pick up Liam Rush and Bellani yes. on, on Conal Keeney right yes although strangely um, Dublin the last time didn't play Rush as an out and out 14 and that caused God I thought Matty got that really really well now, I'd like to be in, um, at the match to really see it um, but he, he certainly didn't did, you know they forced um uh, the goal of full back out of his normal position um, by Burke. just moving players yeah, exactly you die Burke yeah and you know that upsets teams uh, so so you know they could put Oshin O'Rourke in full forward um, and it's the quality of ball that goes into him I suppose and look there's no different than Mark having a Sean will step off now Dublin may not play a forward half back line I know Matty doesn't like re- referencing that he uses sweepers and all of that but look there's an extra defender or an extra midfielder somewhere yeah. um, they may not do it next Sunday but if they were to do it and um, Sean steps back um, you know what do Leash do then they're all the little things to plan. you know they're your planning for the game really you need to go through the what ifs what if Dublin do bring somebody back to bring Hendrickson back or put him in his wing back um, and they allow Sean Moore and just to mop up ball and then to, to, to I suppose put ball quality ball up the field to forwards and that Um and so in that instance you know is is Mark having a stepping out um, good well it's only good stepping out if your half back line is dominant your back line has to be dominant to be able to find him with the pick pass coming up the field otherwise in that look he's no use to you out there um, so you know if he's no use to you out there then he needs to become an, you know, a massive winner a possession tackler all of those things and you know that Mightn't be Mark's game as such. Yeah. Um, so they look, do find him though, don't they? They do, of course, drops, they do. Absolutely, is... sure. No different than finding Norm McGrath. Mark Cameron yeah. is 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 Norm McGrath. Is bubbles. He'll put ball over all day. He did him last Sunday. Um, you know, so the game plan working around him really, really works. But it only really works if your defence and particularly your half back line is is utterly dominant. And you know, the, the half back line may have a huge amount of under pressure anyway. You could have Sutcliffe in centre forward as he has played in some games on Ryan Milani and he, you know his 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 uh, mobility around the field is massive. And you know, Ryan's ahead to get on enough ball to go front foot to pick out Mark Havna. Or the other side, you could have Cornell Keeney and Podge, who's a very young player. Um, and you know he's bullying Podge in the right way I mean and Podge and the hell on the ball then to, to be able to pick the precise pass to Mark Havner well then Mark Havner is not the threat that you want him to be so I, I just think that there's knock on effects all over the place here in the way you set up and the way Lee set up against Westmead may not be Dublin look there's no you've got to be honest about this as well you know Leash always expect to beat Westmead we did last Sunday our ambitions is to play in Leinster and we, we're, we're going to face that down Leash Hurling's going to face that down and they should um, but that starts next Sunday on this, t- this type of player so the thinking and the game planning that you would have against Westmead simply wouldn't be enough and it, so I would expect to see Leash playing setting up a little bit different and playing a little bit different uh, against Dublin and that would be the same if you're playing Cork or somebody else you set up another little bit different just to do that you, you need to ne- neutralise their strong points and try and emphasise your, your own strong points to win games Yeah you can see a few sparks flying I'd say because there will be a huge leash crowd there on Sunday because there was a huge leash crowd in Crow Park now we have a home game you'd imagine the message is to let Dublin know they've arrived in the Moor Park would it be at the start uh, no, of the no, game God, no? No, no, no will you look that should always be your message um, you know you're, I'm, I'm assuming you're 
you're talking about the physicality and the aggression levels and all of that that should never change and you certainly shouldn't go into a team like Dublin I mean you'd be very foolish to come in and, and have the mentality look we're we're least countrymen here and these are townies come down from Dublin and we're going to bury into them and, and we'll run them look that doesn't work anymore every Dublin player look at look at Chris Crum- Crummy after the match against Galway and look at the, the muscle definition in that man you think he's going to walk away from getting a couple of slaps I think that, on, that only just affects your own team Willie, to be honest with you look you do have to play hard this is a warrior game this is this is tough stuff um, when you're in around Banner or, or, or any of these players are are or Dermot O'Sullivan in the past, or go back a little bit further to Pad Dillon full back from Exeter. There's a great picture on 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 the paper if anybody or on, or on the uh, Google if anybody wants to look at it. These were seriously, seriously hard, tough men, and Leash had pucks at them as well in their own time. But but going out in a game like this and trying to um, force your physicality on a team without being able to back it up with hurling would be very silly and I'd be gobsmacked if Eddie was going along, along the, or Niall would be going along that route of course you've got to compete of course you've got to be un- aggressive but you need to be aggressive in every game that needs to be a consistent part of every part of your game and I don't think and I, you know I don't think Leash would be focusing in on that because if they do you're, you were going to get beaten Yeah Leash's ability to score goals just to finish up the 15 goals in 5 games and obviously our manager was no stranger to scoring goals himself so mm. like I mean that's no surprise I suppose even Bergen's goal I didn't think there was even a goal on there like I mean the message must be to 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 go for it if it's on well, I think um, this is what I'm saying Willie and I've said this a number of years ago um, I certainly remember saying this after the match belong Clare that I actually thought that the players that were to come on here um, their technical ability is 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 really really brilliant Aaron Dunphy um, Stephen Bergen um, Roddy I'm delighted to see Roddy back um, all these players have in very very high technical ability to create a space for themselves to take the score and they will smell when the goal is on um, incidentally it brings me back to something in the second game Uli because um, I wonder in the second game between Gawain and, and, and between Kenny and Wexford had Kenny just an eaters to go for goals the whole time yeah. because I'm just I was just amazed with some of the decision making that they did right throughout the game and this was earlier on I mean some people were given out by Canis Fogarty uh, towards the end of the game that the point was there to be taken but even if you think TJ's free you know there was obviously um, a planning some sort of mental planning um, with Kilkenny that look we get a couple of goals here against Wexford and they can have all the plans they like or all their six foot five players they like you know we'll bury them and it, it looked like that um, so I'm just going back to the point Willie that you know good forwards I suppose they always know the right decision really good forwards know the right decision that's what makes them good um, and if the smelling opportunity is on um, they just go for it and they will go for it and there's no half measures here and look in fairness to Stephen it was an important goal you know, Leeds were tipping along, never looked like losing the game, looked to be a far superior technical team than Westmead, and yet there was only a couple of points in it. At the fiftieth minute, I think there was only three points in it. Uh, Leeds finished very strongly and some of the some of the subs that come on, you know, really was going to make it difficult for the lads to drop them on, on, on Sunday. But right up to that stage, um, you know, there was very little in that game and that goal was important and it was it was buried. There was no messing about it. Yeah, exactly. Listen, great stuff, um, Cheddar. We'll come back with um Pat Power Predictions next. Yeah, we, I, we do. Yeah, we have a farm back home, so we have, we have a big farm back home, and we have we have uh, cattle and sheep, and we have a few donkeys as well. So, um, with a couple of Philly donkeys, uh, so I brought them down, and so we did actually sold them to. Uh, I think we had four donkeys. 
on the day and we told them to land from Wexford so we did so there's, there's the five-ball donkey so there are, and there's the, the <laughs> traditional donkey and there's the, the Spanish donkey and then there's the Spanish uh, donkey yeah, you, see, you see them on the on the beaches and so um, yeah you can actually one time one time the the donkey was useless right? but now some people have started to get back into them because you can use them for headage and uh, it's used towards your would say your bonuses your clients a donkey a donkey eat and a donkey eat a palace Okay, we'll get a prediction on Leash Dublin first. This is Paddy Power predictions. Um, Leash are, are fifteen to two with Paddy Power. Dublin are one to ten. The handicap here is eight. Um, Cheddar, how do you see this going? See, this is the unfortunate thing. If if, if before I go to you, if there's six, if this turnaround wasn't there, we could actually talk about this game. And I would see Leash getting inside that eight and rattling Dublin and mm. getting inside three two and being a good close game. I can't, I can't get the actual fact that Leash are being seriously disadvantaged out of my thinking here you know what I mean like it's it's just so unfair to ask them to do what they're asking them to do and to try and beat a team as good as Dublin with the odds stacked against them um, look I fully agree with that Wooly but look it is what it is and let's just deal yeah. with where we are now, I f- look everybody would agree with that there's no doubt about it um, and I, we spoke about that earlier on um, look Dublin probably have an opportunity of getting into an all-earned final Wooly um, I just think of the um, quality of the game in the Leinster final um, I think Dublin probably would have won that if they were there to be honest with you um, so the challenge is massive for Leash and um, you know the I suppose if I was to separate the two um, I would think that the power plays that the top teams are able to play in other words um, their aggression to win the ball and at the same time sprint front foot and at the same time take a tackle break that tackle get out into open field and deliver make a good decision and deliver a good ball to execute all of those things in, in, a, in a series of plays um, is what you need at, at this level and Look, Leash just simply haven't been playing at this level. That's you know that this is my I suppose you know one of my concerns about playing at a lower level. You play to that level, not above it. Now you're asked to step up to an incredible increase in pace, an incredible increase uh, increase in power of physicality. And just going back to that point, Wooly, use of the ball will take some of that away, but you won't take all of it away. Um, so I, I think it's a it's a huge challenge for Leash for a whole lot, a lot of reasons, and principally for the one you've just spoken about. Um, and it's also a great opportunity, Woolly. And, you know, players will will go for that. And having said all of that and uh, pointing out the challenge that faces to them, Leash ain't going to be beaten. <laughs> My cheddar might get in there. Might get you to make a, an old speech to them there um, uh, over satellite or something into, into the dressing room. The other one is, I'll, look, look, I'm going to, uh, I think the smart money is on Dublin. And I, look, I would give Leash an outside chance of winning this if they got the two-week lead in. Um, I'd go ch- or fancy for Dublin. That's not saying I would bet against Leash, but I will tip against them. Um uh, the other one is Westmead Cork Cheddar this uh, Cork are very short odds here the ha- handicap here is 15 Westmead are demoralised they've lost out two years in a row again all the same things Cork are sitting in the in the long grass in a positive mood after staying in the All-Ireland when they could have gone out Aidan Walsh is out for Cork 
which I don't know in, a, in the long run could be a blessing in disguise because Conor Lehan will get back in you'd imagine mm. Lehan will start in the corner like I don't see why Cork just don't let him go wherever he wants on the field and leave Cadigan and Horgan inside um, you'd imagine the 15 could be under threat here Cheddar I saw Joe Quaid say I'd be interested to hear what you think of this now I'm a realist and Joe Quaid is a realist right so Joe Quaid says let's call a spade a spade we'll probably be out of the championship this time next week right now I love realism but at the same time I don't think Joe should have said that and I don't think he should have said it because they're in Division 1 next year in the league playing these teams so is he going to say that to them before all those games or does he have to tell his team that we're at home Cusack Park we go out and beat them even if he doesn't believe it he has to tell them that or else what kind of a message can he say in every league game next year so I, I, I hate criticising someone being frank and honest but yeah. at times sometimes a manager might need to tell a little white lie to, because that's not the message he should be given to his players um, I'd take it a stage further than that uh, Willie I never believe in telling white lies I do believe it and and you shouldn't be there if you don't Yeah. I mean why would you bring your team into um, a cauldron like that and not believe that you can pull something out of the bag to confuse the opposition enough and have a go, having a go off with them and I was surprised at, uh, at Joe but I can understand Woolley as well you've, first of all you've got to give Joe great credit for keeping the cohesion and unity in Westmead this year with a change of management and getting them back and getting them up to division give, give Joe great credit for that yeah. and bear in mind these comments were after you know a very painful loss in that and sometimes you just mightn't have time to, to think through what you want to say on that um, I think Joe is a very positive person uh, anyway and I think he'll be building up Westmead um, this week um, but just based purely on um, what we know and the evidence of what we know uh, look read between the lines Cork would have liked to win another won another monster final but didn't mind that they didn't provided that their pathway to win an All-Ireland is clear and uh, you know I think a number of them have said that we're wanting in our, one, our mind winning an All-Ireland they didn't see a Munster final as a stepping stone to that um, so they are going to be gunning for this and <coughs> they're going to see Westmead as the opportunity to um, I suppose speed test what they want to do in terms of the next match and that and there'll be no mercy shown here whatsoever Bear in mind, though, Willie, that the last couple of years, um, Westmead have acquitted themselves well, went down to Tipperary yeah. into Turles and actually performed quite strongly there. And, and some of those players came away with great credit. And I would really wish them luck in, in this because uh, these are these are tough things to face down. Uh, there, there's no doubt about that. Um, I think they've been very unfortunate. Um, I don't think Owen Price is back to fitness. I know Owen Price is a human dynamo up and down the field. Didn't show it when he came on last Sunday. Um, they're missing Niall O'Brien who even at college's level has proven himself he probably would get on if it's given cup team of the year for the last couple of years um, and Mitchell who was a good uh, primary possession winner I think he's gone to the States or somewhere he's gone to the world or somewhere like that anyway um, so it's unfortunate that they're playing Cork uh, missing a couple of key players and we know ourselves we know ourselves you know we're only a step ahead of some of these counties at the minute and we know what missing a couple of players can do for you particularly against these top teams and there will be no mercy here because there can't be you, you may very well have of, um, you know you mentioned Aidan Walsh is missing and somebody's going to replace him well here's you know wh- what's John Myler going to be saying to, saying to that player he's going to say to him look tough on Aidan he's after getting injured here this is your chance if you want a jersey the next day here's your chance and so do you think that that player is going to show any 
any any um, respect or anything like that or any mercy is the word I want to look for Woolley against Westmead no they're not it's a tough one and they're after obviously coming back from a second loss off of the Joe McDonough it's a very very tough one for them and I really would love to see them getting a performance and coming back up that road you know having having got having got something out of that and being able to face the league next year with some confidence yeah do you think they'll beat the 15 do you think there'll be more than in it do you think this could be a bit of a a beating handed uh, out. I, I think it was early on. Um, I, you know, I didn't see enough last Sunday. I suppose from Westmead to suggest that they'll be able to keep it there. Um, but look, I'd love to see them getting their backs to the wall and fighting like animals and and seeing where that gets get gets them. I'd love to see them do that, and I, I, it'd give me the greatest of pleasure to see that on on Monday that that's what they've done. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant stuff, Cheddar. Right. Listen, that's all we've time for. We'll be back with Joe from Paddy Power. How's it going, Joe? Yeah, not too bad. How are you? Good, good. So I was let down on my accumulator last week by Wexford. Um, it was the final game of Atleash and Limerick were after coming up. What have I got this week? Yeah, you were slightly unlucky, I guess, last week. But as we were saying in the football, you did manage to get one to click there. So it wasn't a total wasted weekend for you, in fairness. Um, so this weekend, with only the two games there, you've gone for uh, the two favourites on the handicap. So Cork minus 15 and Dublin minus 8. That was 5-2 to two, and it's just been pushed out to 7-2 to um, for that one to come yeah. in if anyone wants to jump on it with you. Now, that has to be... I would not be going for this bet if the Westmead and and Leach were given a, a second week. This is purely based off the fact I think Leach could rattle Dublin if they had a decent lead in time. I think celebrating the Joe McDonough Cup coming down off that, that is the reason I'm fancying both these stronger teams with much more rest to be able to beat the handicap, yeah, I'd, I'd be the same with you. Like I think, uh, in normal circumstances, in a one-off game in championship, I think you'd probably fancy both Leash and Westmead to, to at least get inside those fairly large handicaps. But I was also thinking as well. I don't know if you any inside info then in Leash how the celebrations have been going. Like, or no, subdued enough. They had a few pints on Monday, but they were home early. But even having a few pints, still pushing off the hangover from Sunday, maybe onto Tuesday. Then they, tra- they trained on Tuesday. I think they dealt. You have to celebrate. And all, yeah, which is pretty much yeah. an All-Ireland so I think they dealt with it well but at the same time it's a tiny turnaround coming down off winning a match like I mean for, the, for that reason I think that Dublin might beat the 8 Dublin beat Carlo by more than the 8 so that's what you're kind of, there I think they beat Carlo by 12 in Dr Cullen Park so that's yeah. kind of what I'm potentially basing that off yeah, I think well, I'd say you'd probably be be safe enough on that to to a certain extent. But like St. Leash, Leash's tails are up now. They're playing at home. They've got the dose coming in. They're sort of a, like Dublin and Leash over the last. Maybe they haven't played each other much in the last couple of years. But before that, they've been there wasn't a whole lot yeah. between them. And well, they played twice this year, and Dublin won both Walsh Cup and League by two points. Yeah, like I mean, two two points. Obviously, in the league, Dublin were a fairly different animal than they are now. But yeah, it's, it'd be interesting to see what happens this weekend. I, I actually would give Leash a great chance of beating the handicap, and in normal circumstances, I'd almost get like give them a good outside shot of winning the game as yeah. well. So it, it will be interesting to see what happens now on the weekend. So you have hashtag what odds, Paddy, on this one as well. Yeah, a couple of a couple of the ones that came in on the hurling side. I mean, it's they're, they're not it's not a great weekend for for picking a, a picking a winner. In fairness, it's fairly obvious how the game should go. But Dublin and Cork to score six or more goals combined is three to one, and Dublin and Cork to to both score a goal in each half of their games is seven to two. So two interesting ones. Yeah, there could be something worth getting on there. Like I say, the the games themselves aren't the most interesting. So if you if you expect the the Dubs and Cork to to put a few goals on the board, and I, I think you're probably more fancy 
Cork to put up a good number of those ones in fairness um, but either way yeah I think if there's, good, if there's going to be a lot of goals this weekend there might be a couple of bets to jump on yeah so Cork are 1-66 to 66 and Westmead are 18-1 to 1. like we mentioned the handicap is 15 anything else in there that you might look at yeah not, not too much to talk about in fairness one thing I picked out was uh, Westmead to score less than 18 to be under 17.5 on site that's 10 to 11 so they, they only managed to score 16 against Wexford at the same stage last year after losing the, the McDonough Cup final I think Cork would be slightly better I know Wexford are a defensive team but Cork would be probably stronger at this stage than Wexford were last year so I can't see Westmead managing to put up too much of a score so I think that one might be worth picking out at nearly evens there um, and then another interesting what odds Paddy that came in actually is but just on this game is Patrick Horgan to score more than the whole Westmead team is <laughs> nine to one, and it's not not in any disrespect. Right, these are no. these are odds that are people are asking for online, but right. it also just give you a bit more interest. I mean, if if Westmead decide to just fail and not concede goals, you could see Horgan scoring. 15, 16 oh, points yeah. or well, it gets they, a goal himself you, you just wouldn't know and it's a 9-1 to obviously it's not. It's no, by no means a banker but it's a, just a little a little interesting one given the game's not much of a spectacle It definitely is like you could see him scoring 2-12 and then Westmead have to score 18 like he could yeah. easily beat it which is like a, it's not meant to be disrespectful obviously to Westmead but it is an interesting one Leisha want, or Dublin are 1-10 Leash are 15-2 I hate talking about this game because it sounds like I think Dublin are going to beat Leash well and I genuinely think that Leash at home with the momentum of the Joe McDonough if it wasn't seven days later that they could really beat this handicap and you know I would even say give Dublin a right scare yeah absolutely that's what we were saying there I mean to go like that that's kind of how you would expect the game if there was even just another week's break but like Leash have basically accomplished what they wanted to accomplish for the year they're out celebrating they're enjoying it and while sometimes that can that can give you a boost going into a game because you're a bit of a you're nearly hurling carefree and can just rip into it at the same time Dublin are going to be so so focused they've been doing nothing else since the big win over Galway and getting ready for these games and if they want to go on to bigger and better things like realistically they have to be putting Leash away but by a decent score they're not, I don't think they're going to hammer them or run away with the game but they should still have too much for them and the last kind of 10-20 minutes of the game I think are going to be difficult for Leash particularly if it's not a nice weather as we were saying Yeah so what uh, you see Ross King is first uh, goal scorer at 9-1 to which isn't a bad price Yeah again it's hard to pick out pick out something really interesting from the matches given the way it's expected to go but I think yeah, Ross King obviously didn't waste much time last weekend getting the goal either and he's 9-1 to to get the first goal and any time is 21-10 to I think, I think Leash are really going to try Test out the Dublin full back line as well, and they're 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 I think they'll match up quite well with the Dublin full back line in certain instances. So I think Ross maybe to get a goal at some stage is something for the Leash fans to look out for. Um, and then a couple other small ones there. D- Dublin to win by seven to nine points is four to one. Uh, it's fairly specific, but it, that's again it's right on the handicap, and it just gives you a point either side. And I think that's probably about where the game will end up. Um, and then four to one's not a bad price for that. Yeah, exactly. Just to finish up, we have some movement in our All Ireland favourites. Tipperary obviously favourites going into the Munster final. That's all changed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I obviously had to like with the demolition that Limerick dealt out to them there in the weekend. So Limerick are now into eleven to ten favourites. Like they're pretty much at evens. So it's it's probably a fair price nearly because I think Limerick have been the dominant team all year I think they got caught in the hop against Cork they were hadn't played championship for a while and they were just caught cold the, the one against Tipperary the second or the first day was Shout as, as everyone knows now yeah it didn't really mean anything and they were just so impressive they absolutely just monstered through Tipperary even when they left Tip in the game and Tip got their goals they just 
they're no panic they just cruised home and they just dominated that last 20 minutes so I think Limerick are looking very very strong so Tipper gone out to 11-4 to four, second favourites that's not a bad price for a team that everyone was raving about last weekend as well and I mean if they were to meet Limerick again all the motivation and all the reasons to get back out there are for Tip um, based off the Leinster final then Wexford have gone into 15-2 to two fav- or 15 to two, so they'd be third favourites overall or sorry excuse me Cork are 6-1 to one, so Wexford are out to 15-2 to two. Kilkenny are out to 11-1 to one now which is a very big price for Kilkenny but they, yeah. don't, they don't look like they're going to be able to beat the, the the top teams this year. Quirker six to one and Dublin are the outsiders at twenty eight to one now of the teams left in the tournament. Um there's no price for Westmead and Leash, unfortunately, but I think that's probably fair enough at the same time. Very disappointed here. You're lucky Cheddar isn't in the studio here when you're leaving Leash out of the All Ireland odds. Oh, apologies to Cheddar <laughs> for a few years. <laughs> Alright, thanks very much Joe. That's no all we've time for. We'll be back on might be back on Monday depending how the games go. If the games are one sided, hopefully they're not, um we might leave off a show and if they're good and competitive we'll do we'll do a show on Monday. So so we'll definitely be back next Thursday. So we'll talk to you either Monday or Thursday. Good luck. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour hurling ACA. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I should go. And so it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm hard, I'm heartbroken. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.